welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 46 in the series, Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 25th of July, 2010, entitled God, the Holy Spirit, Part 8. And the Bible reading is taken from John, chapter 7, verses 37 to 39. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. All right, Gospel of John, chapter 7. I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word as we read verses 37 through 39. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Father, we thank you again for our time together this morning. Thank you for the time that we've been able to join our hearts in singing, Lord, uh, songs that we hope have been, uh, Lord, uh, 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 pleasing to you and have brought you honor and glory. And Father, now we thank you for your word that we've had the privilege of reading from once again. Lord, as we turn there now, we pray that, Lord, you would touch thine worthy servant, that your anointing would be upon him here this morning, Lord, that the words would be spoken that need to be spoken. For, Father, you know the hearts of each individual that is here right now. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to those hearts as only you can, Lord, that we would be responsive to all that you have for us. For it's in Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. As we continue in our series on contending for the faith, of course, last Sunday, both morning and evening, were sermons 44 and 45 in this series, as we tried to review because we'd covered so much about the Holy Spirit already, and of course, we'd been away from it for a number of weeks and come back, and uh, we're still, this morning, as we're thinking on uh, one of these fundamental of the faith the teachings of the Holy Spirit, and of course, continuing to look at the practice of the Holy Spirit because we live in a day when there is so much confusion there. And as we looked at the consequences of the filling of the the Holy Spirit, said that I wanted to touch on one other area there as we looked at the consequences of every place that had been mentioned in the Word of God, uh, but what about the consequences on present-day believers, on you and I, if you would? We can read about what God the Holy Spirit did in the early church through those apostles and through those deacons, but what about you and I today? Well, as I've already said, we, we need to be very careful not to attempt or try to put the Holy Spirit in our nice little box that we want Him to, to fit into that we personally feel comfortable with because God doesn't always work the way that we think that He should work. Uh, And the truth is, is that God can do that which is far beyond anything that we can even begin to imagine or expect or understand in some cases. But even though much of it is with the best of intentions, much of what we see today that is being accredited to the Holy Spirit is nothing but froth on the top. In other words, there is no substance to it. And though it may be with the best of intentions, 
if it is interpreted strictly according to the Word of God, which is our guide, which is our rule, not man's emotions and experiences, much of, much of it comes up far short of what the Word of God teaches us. We need God as we look some time back to literally rend the heavens and to come amongst us through the power and ministry of the Holy Spirit. We need Him to work amongst us in His own unlimited power that is so far beyond anything that we could accomplish. But folks, no matter what He does, and no matter how He does it, He will never violate the Word of God. All that He does, not just most everything that He does, will be in agreement and according to God's Word. We need desperately to know that we've genuinely been baptized by the Holy Spirit, not because of some experience, but because we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to know that more than anything else in all of this world. But we've seen that as believers, once we've taken that step of faith, we need to know that we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. We've seen God's command that we be filled. We've seen that it speaks of God having control of our lives. If our lives are to be anything like God meant them to be, then the only way that will happen is for us to get out of the way and truly let God have the controls completely the consequences of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Folks, it hasn't changed. It is for Christ to truly accomplish His purpose, His work in our lives. It's God doing through us what we cannot do and what will never be accomplished in the flesh. That is why it is things that many times it cannot be accredited to man, but it's not to put on a show. It's not to flash the neons. It is that the work of Christ might be accomplished that he came to do first of all in his own body and now through the body of Christ that is left in all those that are baptized into that body when they come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We'll see some of the ways that that transpires as we look on. But as we look, first of all, I want us to look as we have, just as surely as we've looked at the consequences of the filling of the Holy Spirit. And I want us to keep those in mind and keep in mind that the greatest above all as we have looked at the promise and as we've looked at the, at the purpose for which the Holy Spirit was being sent, the greatest, the greatest consequence is the work of Christ being accomplished through the believer. There are conditions also for being filled with the Holy Spirit. We've already seen that 
the filling of the Holy Spirit is only possible for those who have been saved and therefore already been baptized by that same Spirit into the body of Christ, the church. From what we've already seen, we can clearly see that every human being desperately needs a work of the Holy Spirit in their life. For the sinner, if you've never been saved, there is nothing in all of the world that you need more in your life than you need the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the Holy Spirit through the Word of God that will show you your need and literally bring you to the Savior that can save you today. And when you personally, not when you get religious, not when you start going to church, but when you personally will fall upon your face before God and repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and His finished work that you might be forgiven of those sins, only then will the Holy Spirit baptize you into the body of Christ. And for the saved, if you know today that you're saved and that you belong to God, as a child of God, one of your greatest needs is the filling of the Holy Spirit because it is the only way that God's purpose can and will ever be fully accomplished in your life. No other way. You can spend your whole life loving God. You can spend your whole life going to church. You can spend your whole life doing religious things and doing it with the best of intentions and, yes, even be saved and, yes, spend eternity in heaven one day, but your life never accomplished what it could on this earth because you kept control instead of giving God control to do whatever He wants with your life. We find that as Christians we may ask ourselves the question, how? There's, you know, not a Christian here today could say that they've never heard about the filling of the Holy Spirit, that they've learned about it, that they've studied about it, but how can the filling of the Holy Spirit be a reality in your day-to-day -day daily life rather than just something that you know about? It's one thing to know about the feeling of the Holy Spirit, yet entirely different to know it and experience it in its reality. So I want to give you a few things today. We can look at helps and we can look at hindrances. I'll be happy if we just get through a, a few of the helps this morning. Some would tell us that to be filled with the Holy Spirit is something that we simply must First of all, ask for, and then just wait, and wait, and wait for God to do it. Well, I'll ask you another question. As we're trying to do with, with all of these things concerning the Holy Spirit, do the Scriptures, does God's Word teach that we must carry on the Lord in order to be filled with His Spirit? Is waiting one of the conditions that we have. 
Well, look with me in Acts chapter 1, and notice what the Word of God tells us in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. And being assembled together with them, commanded them, this is the Lord Jesus Christ, that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. First, they are told to wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We see a direct command of our Lord to the disciples to wait, to wait. But they're told to wait at this point for the baptism, not the filling. Now, notice over in the next chapter, in Acts chapter 2, and notice what it says beginning in verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each of them. Notice in verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And you can continue on reading so, first, they're told to wait for the baptism, that then we see them here being filled by the Holy Spirit. So, does that mean that we have to tarry and wait for this filling of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, at Pentecost, the coming of him that we read about here in Acts chapter 2. It was something that Jesus had told them to wait about. And let me assure you that it was just as preordained as the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ himself was into this world. The Bible teaches us it was God that planned and designed and ordained that God would come in the person of Jesus Christ to this earth. And just as surely, it was God that planned and ordained the coming of the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, to this world. You see, it's God's timing. Old Testament typology, which we often see there, showed that the Holy Spirit was to come on the day of Pentecost, which was 50 days after the Passover. The specific Pentecost that it was happened was foretold by the Lord himself. After 40 days, after 40 days, after Christ's resurrection, he left them with the injunction to specifically wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came to baptize them. How long did they wait? A further 10 days. 
a further 10 days to the day of Pentecost. And just as Jesus had promised that when he went away, he would send another. It was there that the Holy Spirit came. Now, did they wait for the baptism or did they wait for the filling? Well, we've already studied about this baptism of the Holy Spirit, what that means. The word carries with it the idea of submergence, of being overwhelmed, of something being in, introduced into a new environment or, or union with, with something else that completely alters its condition, its relationship. We've seen that it was through his baptismal work that the Holy Spirit placed the Christians into the body of Jesus Christ. That's what the disciples were told to wait for. You see, this was the foundation for all of the other works of the Spirit, that just as Jesus said here, that promise that was being fulfilled, this was the foundation, the formation, the basis of all those other things that Jesus had promised that the Holy Spirit would do when he came. We must always be careful to distinguish between the works of the Holy Spirit when it comes to the baptism and the filling or it brings great confusion as we see around us today. Instruction was to wait for the baptism. It's through that baptism that the believer is brought into that vital union with the body of Christ. It's not a work that's done just for power, but for the placing of the believer into the body of Christ so that there can be that power. Jesus Christ, I believe if you study the Scriptures, you'll find that he had begun the work of building his body, the church. The actual conception of this life during his earthly ministry. But here on the day of Pentecost, we see, if you would, the birthing of that body that it might be able to grow and mature and accomplish what it was meant to. Just like the life of a baby. The life of that baby begins at conception, not when it enters the world, but there comes that point when that baby is birthed into this world that he might grow and mature into the adult one day. And of course, as we look here, the baptizing of the Holy Spirit is the foundation for all of the other works that the Spirit can then accomplish through that body. Folks, I've searched, and I would challenge you, I, I cannot find one single command nor even one single example in all of the Word of God where believers are told to tarry for the filling of the Holy Spirit. I can't find it. The Holy Spirit's coming to the believer in the body of Christ. It was preordained according to God's own sovereign purpose. This was a specified time, Pentecost, at a specified place in Jerusalem for a specific purpose, the baptism the birth 
of the body of Christ. We can't overlook the fact that they were told to wait for the baptism, but we find that God didn't just baptize them. He then gave them the filling of the Holy Spirit as well. You see, today too many Christians have they've known what it is to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. But they've been satisfied with just merely having the guilt of sin removed from their lives. Too many have acted and lived their lives as though being born of the Spirit was the end of God's work rather than the beginning. Folks, it's just not the case. The moment we were born again, we were baptized in the body of Christ. But that doesn't necessarily mean that even sitting here this morning that we're filled or controlled by that Holy Spirit. It's important, it's vital as believers that we consider the whole matter of the, the Holy Spirit's feeling just because the Scriptures nowhere tell us to tarry for the feeling it doesn't mean that it's given without any kind of condition either. Because we do find as we look into Scripture that there, there are some conditions for being filled with the Holy Spirit. These helps for being filled, first of all, look with me into Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You see, here we, we see the presenting, or if you would, as we've talked about the yielding that is absolutely necessary if God is going to have control of our lives. Look back just a few pages still in the book of Romans to Romans chapter 6. Notice what he tells us here in Romans chapter 6 and in verse 13. He said, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. You see, yes, the Holy Spirit, He indwells us and He seals us the moment that we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. But control is something that will only take place when we will yield or surrender ourselves completely to Him. Notice what he says in Romans chapter 6, a couple verses down in verse 16. He says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience 
unto righteousness. We must obey God. You see, the first help in being filled is just simply obedience. Obedience. We must obey God and yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit so that we can then be filled by Him. Therefore, seeing Him take absolute, complete control of our lives in order to produce that righteous living that He's speaking of here, our only hope of living righteous lives, of living holy lives, as we have been commanded to do, is through the filling of the Holy Spirit whereby it is Christ that produces that holiness through our lives. There is no human being within themselves that is capable of living holy. But every child of God is capable of holy and righteous living because of the Christ that lives and dwells within him. But only when he has control only when we've truly yielded and given up and let him do it. You see, it goes right back to where we began when Jesus told us the whole purpose in the Holy Spirit coming, that greater things could be accomplished, that his work he would accomplish through the believer. What he was accomplishing through one single body when he worked upon this earth, the Jesus Christ that lives and dwells within you, that takes up residence there. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, is the same Jesus that walked upon this earth, is the same Jesus that was nailed to that cross, is the same Jesus that rose the third day, that same Jesus that they saw ascend into heaven, the same Jesus that we look to descend once again for us one day, that same Jesus is the one that will live and dwell within your life through the Holy Spirit. Folks, that takes yielding yourself to Him, letting Him have a control that is beyond you, and that same Jesus. He wants to fulfill through you what you could never accomplish yourself. The Bible is teaching us clearly here. Notice Again, in Romans chapter 6, notice what he says down in verse 22. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. The basis, the very groundwork, of producing this holy living has already been accomplished. But folks, what is needed is our submission, our cooperation, our getting out of the way and letting go. And as one preacher said, letting go and letting God. We need to let God do what he wants to do. I'm saying to you this morning, clear and simple, if you're a child of God, and you've been baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ, there's no greater need in your Christian life than to give that God, the Holy Spirit, 
that lives and dwells within you. Give him control of your life. Obey him. Yield yourself to him. Let God do through you what you can never do. Let that life be lived that you can never live and accomplish yourself. Obedience. The second help this morning I want to share with you is simply desire. (laughs) Do you really want? You see, we could ask a lot of questions here. Do you really want to live a holy and righteous life? Do you really want God to have complete control of your life? Do you really want God to do those things through you? I mean, the Bible says that they that live godly will what? Will will stay away from all problems? (laughs) Will suffer persecution. Jesus Christ was persecuted, folks. Jesus Christ was nailed to a cross. The truth is, the more of Christ that is seen through your life, the less comfortable a lot of people are going to feel around you. But that, that light is the only hope that they will ever have. You can't live godly and you stay in control. That's what the filling of the Holy Spirit is all about, Him having control, Him doing that in your life. We read as our scripture reading, our text this morning, John chapter 7. We said, In the last days, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. He was speaking of it here, future tense. Why? For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. You will never yield yourself. Give up control. Give yourself over into the hands of God unless there is truly a heartfelt desire. When you don't really want to do it, you'll never do it. The problem is, folks, the problem is too many of us today as believers, we've allowed ourselves to keep too much control and God not have enough control. We need to obey Him. We need to yield ourselves to him unconditionally. That yielding will never happen without a desire. You see, he speaks here of thirst. Have you ever really been thirsty? You see, there's a difference in just wanting something and having a real heartfelt desire for it. If you've ever really been thirsty, you know what it's like then to really want that water like Never, ever before. Most of us never experience real thirst because it's right at our fingertips. Spend a couple days in the desert without any water, you're really thirsty then. But Jesus says here that they that thirst, a man thirst to let him come unto him. You see, this thirst, first of all, there must be a 
thirst for the Lord Jesus Christ, a desire to be saved. A person will never admit their sinfulness and come and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ if it doesn't come from the heart. All the head knowledge in the world, but it must come from within. A desire to be filled, to be controlled by God the Holy Spirit. A desire, from what we've gathered here briefly, a desire for God to judge and put away the sin that's in our lives. Desire. Desire the reality of being dead to sin and alive to God. You see, that's already true positionally, in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we're talking about it being made true in our daily walk as we yield ourselves to His control. Desire for the fruit of the Spirit to be seen in our lives. You see, too many times we don't want to be so conspicuous. Do we have to just stand out? Do we have to walk around with a big board on saying, I'm a Christian. I'm a born-again child of God. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. I'm only going to read this and mention it, and we'll come back to it probably next week. Galatians chapter 5. Notice what he says in verse 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit, when a person is truly not just indwelt, but filled and controlled by God the Holy Spirit. Fruit is something that grows natural on a healthy tree. We can look, and, and we can look at this in, in John when he talks about the, you know, the, the, the vines and the branches. We can see it in many places when he speaks of fruitfulness. The truth is, folks, if, if God is in control of our lives, the fruit of the Spirit is something that's going to be natural because it's going to be the character of Jesus Christ Himself that should be being seen through our lives. The more we stay in control, the more they'll see of us. But the more He's in control, the more that they'll see of Him. Do we really, honestly, do we really long and desire for Jesus Christ to be enthroned in our lives, <laughs> to really be on the throne, to really be in control, and just let Him do as He wants. There are some helps that will help us in this matter of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Obedience is one of them. Desire, truly in our hearts 
wanting God to be on the throne. It's a second. And thirdly, trust. Trust. You see, we've got to move beyond the matter of desire. It's a matter of just genuinely trusting Him if we're going to drink and taste, as He speaks here, so that 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 thirst, that desire can truly be quenched. Jesus said that out of your belly, out of your innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. And he goes on to explain to us that he's talking about the Holy Spirit. God should be flowing out of our lives. People should be seeing God. They should be seeing Jesus Christ himself through us because of these rivers of living water that is flowing from our innermost being because it is God that is there that is on the throne and that is in control of our lives. Just as we have to come to that point of Trusting Jesus Christ to save us. You'll never be saved. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's the only road to get to God's grace. Faith, trusting Him, not what you can do, what you believe. We find that we must trust Him just as assuredly to fill us with his Holy Spirit. Faith. You see, we've already looked. We've looked at his person. We've looked at his promise. We've looked at his purpose. Do we really believe that he will do exactly what he said that he would do? Do you really believe it? When Jesus himself said, Greater than these shall ye do because I go unto the Father. Do we believe that? You see, until we trust Him, until we really believe it, we'll never really give ourselves to Him. We'll never really know that feeling. Remember, that command to be filled, Remember that that was a continual feeling. It was a continuous action. It's something that should continually go on in our lives. And that requires a continual trusting, a continual committing. If we're to be continually controlled by the Spirit, moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day, Folks, when we trust self, we sin. We sin. It's that simple. The self-life will take over. You can't control it. It will take over. But we need to trust Him. We must confess our sins. We must be cleansed from our sins. The Holy Spirit needs a clean vessel. It's ironic, We've got to confess. We've got to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ the only way we can in order for the Holy Spirit to come in. And for the Holy Spirit to use us, He needs a clean vessel. 
But if we give him control, he's the one that will keep it clean. He's the one that will clean it like nobody else. He's the one that will live a life that you can never live yourself. You see, whereas the new birth, being baptized by the Holy Spirit, is a once-for-all act. This matter of being filled with the Holy Spirit is something that we must deal with continually and constantly in our life. It requires obedience. It requires a true yielding of ourselves to Him. It requires a constant desire. Oh, God, I don't want control. I want you to have control. A constant desire for him to do what he wants to do, which is going to mean the forsaking of sin. It's going to mean the seeking of righteousness. Do we really want those kind of lives? You see, it's a daily devotion. Habits that are formed in our lives day by day. Trusting Him to do what we can't do ourselves. That's the irony of it. We can never do it. But He wants to do it for us. Can I ask you this in closing this morning? How much control? How much control are you exhibiting over your own life today? How in control of your life are you? Of what you're going to do today and tomorrow and next week and next year? And on the other hand, how much control does God really have? How much control does Christ, through the Holy Spirit, have in your life? I mean to control the next thought that you're going to think. <laughs> the next word that you're going to speak, the next action that you're going to perform, how much of it will be yourself? How much of it will truly be God? Because He's controlling. I wonder, are we willing to truly yield ourselves in obedience today? How many of us here today really desire God to be in control and us lose, I mean, completely give that control to Him? How many of us today truly believe that God can do through our lives, through this church, His body? How many of us really believe that God can do the unthinkable, that He can do the impossible, that God can use your life and our lives together to accomplish the work of Christ for which He came. Folks, Jesus Christ still wants to accomplish the work that He came to this earth to accomplish but he wants to accomplish it through you. Father, you know the hearts of each one here today. And Lord, our motives are not selfish. 
Our motives are not for a show. Lord, we believe that you have genuinely in your word told us, Lord, that Lord, we should compel men to come unto you. We have a responsibility. Father, there are those here today that, that don't have that complete certainty of their salvation. Lord, I pray that through the power of your Spirit that we have talked about here today, Lord, that you would convict them of their sin, that you would show them their need, and Father, even before they leave this place today, that they might put their faith and trust in Christ. Father, you've seen the hands. There may be some Christians that are walking very near to you, but they realize that this continual process of being filled with your Spirit well, they desire for you to have greater control, and you've seen their hands. There may be some, Lord, that they have been saved, but they've never really given you that control. They don't, they know about, but they've never experienced being filled and controlled by God from within. Father, I pray that you would be with each of these, Lord, that have raised their hands, and maybe those that haven't, but that need is real. Lord, you need a people that rather than being seen ourselves, the godliness, the holiness, the power, the character of God himself, through Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can be seen in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.